What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Mo back with another episode of Up in Flames. And today I got two of my other favorite guys. I mean, I love everybody that's a part of the network, but I got my guy Kenneth in the building from the Shooter Shoot podcast, a key contributor for Off the Ball Network. I've been on his show a couple times, so I'm a I'm a friend of his show. And now it's time to give him his debut on Up in Flames and make him a friend of my show. Kenneth, what's going on, bro? Not too much. Am I the first Canadian to appear on Up in Flames? Ooh. Yes. yes, you get to hold that title. Yes, you are the first Canadian. So I'm top one Canadian to ever appear on the show. So, I mean, already we're off to a great start. I got the greatest <laughs> on the show. And then I got my guy, JP, one of the newest additions. One of the hardest working additions. You know, it's, it's no not everybody else, but JP be working hard out here. JP, what's going on, bro? Man, I'm good, man. Just shooting my three free throws, man. Just getting done hooping and stuff, talking, ready to talk hoops. 100%, 100%. So, you know, I got my guy from the Shooter Shoot podcast on here. So let's talk about the most contradictory, contradictor, contradicted player on Shooter Shoot. And we're going to talk about Ben Simmons because that shooter doesn't shoot. So <laughs> I want to talk about what's next for Ben Simmons. Um, obviously, we seen, you know, me and Kenneth kind of talked about it pre-show, and you know, uh, uh, all-time meltdown in a in a possibility. We're talking about a two-time All-Star, two-time Defensive Player, of the uh, not Defensive Player of the Year, All Defensive Player. Um, and obviously, what we seen from Ben Simmons just it 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 was very disappointing. I'm talking about the second best player on a on a championship aspiration team. And no shots in the fourth quarter, I think, what, in games two through seven? Doesn't have an attempt. They play Hacker Simmons at one point to ultimately put him um, at the free throw line to win the game. And then you look, and it looks like in key moments, your second-best player and an all-star should not be in at the end of the game. So before I go, I want to talk about what's next for Simmons. Obviously, over this past, you know, since last night and coming on into the uh-huh today if you've been in up to date in the sports world at all ben it's been all about ben simmons and killing ben simmons so i mean we're gonna talk about what he did wrong and things like that but i kind of just want to talk about what's next i think that was the last time we'll see him in a philly jersey and so i just want to get y'all's opinions on fits for him and value because like our guy chris said we once seen that his value was maybe him in a first round pick for james harden who we're talking about a superstar player here that was his value I don't see that being the same value now. Um, So I'll give my take after, but Kenneth, I'll start with you. What do you think? What's next for Ben Simmons? What, where is it from Philly and Ben Simmons? What's next from here? I mean, if you're asking Philly fans, they're probably going to tell you, well, just give him another summer. Like he'll find a jump shot. Well, we've been saying that for the last, however many years. And whenever we see these videos of him in open gyms, he, he looks fine. Like the shot, it doesn't seem completely broken, but it seems like a complete lack of confidence on his part, or it's just him flat out not wanting to score and just distribute. But I think his true value is he would have to go to a team where they don't lack offense, like where they have ball dominant guys in the fourth quarter. I think it's got to be ball dominant guards because I mean, Embiid demands the ball, but when you're center trying to get the ball to him can be difficult. Whereas if you're, I'll give you two uh, examples, Dallas or Portland. 
if you're a team like Dallas where you've got Luka Doncic down the stretch and he's someone who can close out games, we've seen him do it in the playoffs, or Portland with Damian Lillard, I mean, he could fit on a team like that where scoring isn't the issue on those teams. But what they do lack is that defensive stopper, someone that could truly help them. So if I'm looking at a team that could get Ben Simmons, maybe send something back. I mean, if you're looking at a team like Dallas, they've got a little bit of a love-hate relationship with Porzingis right now. If he gets sent back in a trade with a pick, I mean, Philadelphia would think about it because Porzingis, we know what he can be. Um, And then if you're looking at a team like Portland, they've got plenty of guys there that they could move in order to make it happen. If they think CJ McCollum isn't the second guy, maybe they're sending CJ back because, I mean, we also have to take the cap into consideration. Some of these guys are getting paid a lot of money, so that could help offset some of the cap issues. So those would be a couple teams that I would think about because they are close. And I mean, they're both going to be finding new head coaches they might think, well, maybe we need to bring in a piece as well. So those would be the two that I would think about. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and that seems to be the common theme. Um, Obviously, you know, on talk show, radio, and, and a lot of these debate shows today, Dallas was brought up for, you know, kind of the same points. Um, CJ McCollum has been like a main guy that has been mentioned as far as, you know, for Ben Simmons, because you look at what they lack and you look at what Portland lacks defensively and you know Ben Simmons could be that plug and play guy defensively obviously get rebounds JP what do you think what's next for Ben Simmons and and what is his value in your opinion um he still has a little bit of value just because of the defensive side and how much talent does he have on the offensive side other than shooting I think you know like uh, Kenneth said Portland would be a good option because you can get back CJ McCollum in Philadelphia to create offense you know as well we, with Embiid, you know, being, you know, like, you know, sitting down or if he's injured, C.J. McCollum can take that offense with, uh, you know, Tobias Harris and everybody um, offensively. So I could see Portland. I could see Dallas, too, as well, with Luka Doncic um, trying to trade over for Pozingas and stuff. I wouldn't get Pozingas in Philadelphia because that's just going to create a lot of just, like, headaches and everything. So definitely them two teams I could definitely see. Um you know, they might still keep him in Philly, and even though the Philly fans were booing him because he couldn't hit free throws or couldn't take shots. He was afraid of shooting the ball. Um, I think, you know, if he stays in Philly, I mean, it's fine, but at the same time, they probably won't win a championship with him and him and Embiid just still playing together and stuff because, you know, they've been talking the past couple of years. Who, which one we're going to take out? We're going to get Embiid out or we're going to take Simmons out? Could they play together? Could they gel together? Um so we just have to wait and see, you know, you know what the sum is going to be, and um, we'll see how uh, we'll see how it goes. But I'll definitely see Dallas or Portland too, as well, like Kenneth said. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, so a team got mentioned. Obviously, one of my favorite shows is the <clears throat> Colin Coward show. I love Colin Coward, and he made a case yeah. for Golden State. Be a Ben Simmons. For a Draymond Green and and some maybe not a uh, you know some obviously some workaround things but it would be you know the focus of the trade would be Draymond Green for Ben Simmons I kind of like that fit when you look at but but it but it makes a little less sense because I love Draymond Green I love what he is for Golden State and he fits he he knows his role when Clay Thompson comes back we we hope and pray and expect Clay Thompson to come back fully healthy. We want to yeah. see the 
Golden State at least one last season fully healthy. The Splash Brothers back together. We haven't really seen it, um, obviously, since the injury uh, in the finals to Klay Thompson. He was about to come back, and then, boom, he tears his Achilles. So that's unfortunate. But because of the type of player that Klay Thompson is, as long as he is ready and healthy and ready to go, I think he'll be fine because it's not about his athleticism. He's a really good defender, and obviously we know an all-time great shooter. But he doesn't rely on athleticism to be effective. So I like that fit, but it, it, if Ben Simmons doesn't fit right away, the trade looks bad and could continue to look bad because Draymond already has the chemistry with Stephen Clay. We know that. We know they're kind of similar. Draymond, I think, is a little bit better shooter, first off, than Ben Simmons. But we know Draymond isn't there for the points. He's there for the rebounds. He's there for the um, assists, you know, distribution of the ball. And he's there as that defensive anchor. And he's that power forward. I think Ben Simmons could play the four or uh, Golden State in that instance. And you basically would just be trading to me age in a sense. You hope Ben Simmons can, you hope Steph and Clay can maybe, and Steve Kerr can maybe unlock some, some work ethic into Ben Simmons, uh, you know, kind of show him what it takes to be a champion. Because obviously Philly really couldn't do that. They haven't won a championship together. Doc Rivers hasn't won a championship in over in like 10 years, 11 years. So like it's yes, he has that championship pedigree. But when you're so you're talking about the, it was a whole different era, you know, when when Doc Rivers last won a championship. So it's one of those like it's hard to respect a coach like this is what it takes to win a championship when it's been a while. I love Doc Rivers to death, but it's been so long that that championship to these players is kind of irrelevant. Like you're talking yeah. about. KG, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen, who have been retired. Uh, Paul Pierce is uh, in the Hall of Fame. Kevin Garnett is in the uh, Paul Pierce will be in the Hall of Fame. Kevin Garnett is inducted into the Hall of Fame. So you're talking about old school guys in a sense. They've been removed long enough from the league. They played in Brooklyn since they won the championship. There's a lot of factors for you to say, well, that was so long ago. This is a whole new era of basketball. The, the game is different. It's not as defensive focused. It's more skill set. The floor is wide open. So Doc Rivers has to make those adjustments. I think they could unlock, but it's all on Ben Simmons. In my opinion, anything that happens from here on out is all on Ben Simmons. We talk about the right fit, but if he doesn't work harder and doesn't commit to getting better, he could go wherever. It doesn't matter. He could go and be the fifth best player on the team, but if he's not working hard, it doesn't matter. If he doesn't unlock that next step that we're watching, Devin Booker, we're watching Donovan Mitchell, Luka, Trey Young, we're watching Jason Tatum. We are literally seeing these top 25, under 25 guys be great in the playoffs, late in the playoffs. I know Jason Tatum got knocked out in the first round, but we're seeing what his counterparts, his battle for best player in the league, guys that he's going to be with for the next 10 years, we see they're taking that next step. And it's all hard work. You see it in their production. You're not seeing that from Ben Simmons. So for me, wherever he goes, he has to commit to working hard. He has to commit to getting better. I don't care about a jump shot because Giannis isn't a great shooter, but he'll still shoot it. He'll make you respect it. And he's he's aggressive. Giannis isn't afraid of the free throw line. I understand he's not a great free throw shooter, but he'll get fouled, go to the free throw line, and then he will do the same thing, drop his shoulder and get to the bucket again. So he doesn't fear the free throw line. He doesn't fear being great. He doesn't fear the pressure, even though sometimes he folds under pressure. But I don't think it's mental for Giannis. Well, I think it's all mental for Ben Simmons. But, Kenneth, you got some that? I mean, there's one team where I don't know what their interest is because of what you just talked about, about whether or not Ben Simmons wants to get better, because 
Miami is a destination where you have Jimmy Butler and you have Bam Adebayo. You're looking for that third guy. And they were probably looking at this summer, hoping for a Kawhi or a Giannis or someone to be there, but that free agency pool is dwindling. So if yeah. you're a team like Miami, who at the deadline made that move for Oladipo, he ultimately doesn't play, probably isn't coming back. You're then looking at, do we give Philadelphia a call? Do we think Ben Simmons is a guy that we could bring in? They're already solid defensively. So you just add Simmons into the mix. You make him the distributor. You've got a guy down the stretch in Jimmy Butler who can close out a game for you. Now, what would a trade look like with Miami? That That would be to be determined because their contract situation is a little bit different, but it is a team to keep in mind because if they are going to miss on some of these free agents and they know Jimmy's getting up there, Bam's obviously coming into his prime, but you're more so concerned about Jimmy, then that would be a destination that I would think about as well, giving Philadelphia a call and seeing what they they value him at. Hmm. That's a good point of Miami. I never thought about Miami. They always wanted. I, I had to because of Mo. I mean, Mo's the Miami guy, and I knew that it would make him cringe. But it is something to think about if you are Miami, because if there's one team that could get him to buy in and to actually work on his game, it's Miami. I can see Pat Wiley working with Ben Simmons and try to give him an identity and try to give him the confidence and stuff. I could definitely see Miami. You know, I was thinking about Boston. Just because you already have like, you know, Tatum and uh, Jason, uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown over there, you know, just being isolated, but really good defensively. You can have three wing players, um, but no, already traded Kimball Walker over to OKC. I don't think it's going to work because what else they can, you know, trade for to get a Ben Simmons up there in Boston. I um, think the only teams that truly would make a trade for Ben Simmons are ones that are on the cusp, like, like they're right there and they need that guy to potentially push them over the top because these teams are only going to be better next year. Brooklyn's running it back. Milwaukee's running it back. So they need to elevate. Otherwise, they're just going to be another team in the middle of their conference not winning a championship. So, But, yeah, going back, I agree with that. Going back to Golden State, I was just like, at first I was like, I don't know if I want to break up that uh, core of Draymond clay and stuff but then once i thought about it i was like well ben simmons will be like a draymond green basically because he's a playmaker and he's actually going to be a better defender because he got the uh, wingspan and he can guard one through five so i'm getting it just got me thinking to myself and plus you know seven clay gonna get hot and scoring the basketball and plus it can give rest for clay because clay will be guarding like the best players in the nba Ben could give that chance to just say, Clay, go, you're good. I'll go the best player because, you know, like Ben's not aggressive scoring the basketball. If he needs to be aggressive, he needs to be aggressive. Steve Cook can tell him that too as well. And they have a good work ethic. And I think he can learn a lot with Steph and Clay Thompson and Steve Cook and the whole organization. And plus, like I said, give Clay rest and then Ben can guard the best player and basic, and he's younger and got fresh legs. So, you know, at first I was like, I don't see going to state, but then I thought about it. I was like, you know what? That could be a good idea. My, so my biggest argument and my biggest pushback for that trade would be to me, what we've seen in sports the past couple of years. And I'll just give a couple examples is leadership. Yeah. You lose leadership. I know Steph is a leader. 
But Draymond is the anchor. He's the X factor of that team. He always has been. It doesn't take away. We know Steph is the greatest player on that team. We don't argue that. But it's the anchor and the leadership and the will and the want to be great as a team that Draymond brings. And my examples for that will be with that mentality, when it leaves, it will be missed because you're not getting that back in Ben Simmons. And yeah. so you look at Chris Paul, as great a leader as he is, he's not playing in game one, but based on his great leadership, Phoenix was ready to go game one in the Western Conference Finals. Based on his leadership and the, the way he changes the atmosphere of an organization, yep. Phoenix will be ready to go. Devin Booker is ready to go. He's got the confidence. The first thing they did after they win the game, they go in the team hub and they FaceTime Chris Paul. That's yep. all about leadership and trusting your leader. And then on the football side, we talk about, you know, and, and I understand when we talk about leaders, Draymond is in there as one of the greater leaders. But on the football mm -hmm. side, we talk about Tom Brady. His leadership, his presence in that locker room, the minute he got off that flight and stepped foot in Tampa Bay, they believed. And they you, believe. you've seen the same players take elevated steps that you, you know, Bucks fans were just complaining about last year. They were ready to give up on Devin White. And now look at him. He's probably going to come into the season as a top three to five linebacker next year. And I think that's off the way the defense steps up, the way it's all because when a great leader comes in and makes you believe, you believe and you elevate and you become better. And wow. then when this resides, Draymond Green is a champion. He's won three yeah. championships. Whether you like it or not, whether you, you love Draymond, whether you want to give him full credit, less credit, whatever, he's a champion. Yeah. He's won yeah. three championships. And so when that leaves the locker room, I see that could make a difference. And you're talking about a guy in Steph Curry who Golden State is looking to convince to finish out his career in Golden State. So yep. let's say Clay doesn't come back 100% and Draymond's gone and Ben Simmons doesn't have any close to the same impact that Draymond had. What incentive do you have if I'm Steph Curry except the loyalty and love I have for Golden State to stay because I could go and win championships. I'm trying, you know, the, the art of the game is to win championships. And we're in the era now where veterans move. That's what they do. He would move as a free agent. He would make the decision not to leave, or he would make the decision to leave as a free agent. He wouldn't force his way out. I see Steph Curry playing this year. But, you know, you, so I just think that would be so valuable to me with Draymond Green. And if Simmons isn't giving you production or leadership that you're expecting to replace Draymond Green, to me, that's a game changer for that whole Golden State team. And then we look at them as even with Steph and Clay, with with minus the production of Draymond Green, there may be a six seed instead of a Western Conference favorite coming into next year. Like they have a chance to be in the upper echelon of, you know, Utah, Phoenix, Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets. Like that upper echelon is very strong, and Golden State could be in the mix, and they could be the third best team. They could be the first best team. They could be the sixth best team, but those top six are going to be you know, neck and neck when we talk about everybody coming back fully healthy. So I do think if Golden State puts themselves in the Ben Simmons sweepstakes, they need to sleep on it and think long and hard before they make that final decision because this collapse that we saw from Ben Simmons, he's like I said, he's made the All-Star game the past two seasons. So yeah. we're talking about a bona fide All-Star. And, and we're talking about a skilled player. We get on Giannis about he kind of lacks skill. He just bullies people. But then we talking about Ben Simmons, who has skill and can't figure it out. He can't shoot, but that's okay. He's a better ball handler than Giannis. He's just more skilled than Giannis. 
But Giannis is 10 times the player that Ben Simmons is. So I do think that Golden State and every team, because like every team you name, Dallas in a delicate situation, we hear Luka's unhappy. Portland in a delicate situation. We don't know if Dane Lillard's going to want out. So mm-hmm. also another thing is if Ben Simmons is not the answer, that star player that's going to want out has all the leverage because he's like, this is the move you made to keep me here. This is the move you made to tell me that you're looking at winning. And this is what we got. The same thing as last year. I don't want to be here because yeah. now nobody at that point after next season, you're going to have to wait until Ben Simmons is a free agent to get your team together. Cause nobody's going to want that contract. And there will be always somebody who will take it for less compensation. But then you talk about a depletion of your roster by doing that because his value is going to go down by the year if his production doesn't go up. So it's a very delicate situation with a lot of those teams because I think you have a year to figure it out. You got a year to figure it out with Luka. You got a year to figure it out with Dame before he really wants out. You got Steph Curry, who's about to be a free agent. So you got to figure it out or Steph walks for nothing. You know, All, all, all those teams that we mentioned too, we're going to have to wait to see what they do with the head coaching position because yeah. – Whoever it is that they bring in, they have to be a firm believer that Ben Simmons can contribute to the roster because those GMs aren't bringing in Ben Simmons when you've just brought in a new coach if the coach doesn't want him there. So that's what's going to be most interesting to see is, you know, who's going to, where's Rick Carlisle going, right? Like, obviously, he's not going to Dallas, but could he end up in Portland? There's a possibility that he could. Maybe he likes Ben Simmons, then they're more uh, inclined to make an offer for him. So I think we got to see where these coaches end up first before we can even think about who wants Ben Simmons, because while he is great on the defensive side of the ball, the fact that he can't shoot free throws and is a liability shooting the basketball, you have to have a system where you can hide him on offense, but let him thrive on defense. And we just need to see which coach that is. Exactly. So, so we talk about Ben Simmons, so let's keep it in the Eastern conference. And, you know, me and Kenneth talked a little bit about this pregame. I've had these conversations with JP, Kenneth, everybody on Off the Ball Network, on the Halftime app, and and everywhere else that we talk hoops. But is all the pressure on Milwaukee? And so with that question, I'm going to explain the context that I'm coming from. This championship, to me, is more wide open than we've ever seen. We talk about injured players, and it's not to this championship will not have an asterisk in my eyes. But it's all about health and availability. And you're talking about pretty much the Clippers got got in. Um, so they're the least healthiest team, I think, at this point. Atlanta's at full strength. Milwaukee's at full strength. And once Chris Paul gets out of health and safety protocols, they'll be at full strength. We don't know if Kawhi's coming back. Milwaukee was a, a favorite over every team left coming into the season. They were the favorite to win a championship when we compared them to every team left. Had I told you at the beginning of the season, Milwaukee's going to win the championship, you wouldn't have called me crazy. You would have argued it, and maybe, you know, maybe Brooklyn or maybe the Lakers. There's only a couple teams that you would have argued, but it wouldn't be an afterthought to say, ah, yeah, they probably have the third best odds. I I could definitely see Milwaukee winning. They added Drew Holiday. You know, they look like they made some moves to to put more around Giannis, and we know what they're going to do in the regular season, so they're going to look like a championship team in the regular season anyway. But then we look at the flop they almost had against Brooklyn. They get they got absolutely lucky in my eyes that they're playing in the conference finals. Yep. And, and you can slander KD all you want for, for people who just really absolutely hate Kevin Durant. But he did everything he could do 
And yep. yes, you know, I hate people have brought it up, so I'm gonna bring it up. Yeah, he finally got to see what it's like being in LeBron's shoes on a couple of his teams. That's fine. But he's not the same facilitator and stuff. He showed us he can do it. But consistently, wow. it's a different story. We know he's one of the greatest pure scorers we've ever seen. So for him to get a triple-double in a big-time game shows that he's clutch and shows up in big moments. And we're talking about he's a size 12 instead of a size 15 away from being in the conference finals anyway with that three-point shot with his big toe on the line. He's really essentially a big toe away from going on to the conference finals and Giannis and Milwaukee and coach Budenholzer are a big toe away from everybody looking like they need to blow it up. So JP, how much pressure is on Milwaukee to win the championship this year? Uh, I believe there's a lot of pressure because like you said, it's wide open this year. Everyone was thinking the Clippers at full strength, Lakers at full strength, um, you know, before the season, before Harden went to Brooklyn, um, it's it's a lot of pressure. Um, you know, they got really lucky going against the Nets with uh, you know, Katie and Kyrie and then Kyrie getting hood and Harden getting hood. So pressure's on them because they have to win this championship. Giannis just signed that extension. You know, he believes in the organization that could win the championship, you know, and everybody was kind of criticizing. Uh Giannis was like, Man, you could have went to Miami, you could have went to different like title contenders. Why didn't will you stay in Milwaukee? I understand it's for money, but you know, he wants to win the championship. I mean, he is hungry for a championship. So all that pressure's on them. And, you know, if they don't beat Atlanta, who knows what the future holds for the Bucks and all. Um, like I said, Atlanta's a good team. We didn't expect Atlanta to be, you know, in the Eastern Conference Finals, but you know, the, this is this is the Bucks year. This is the Bucks year. LeBron going down, you know, KD having heroics with the Nets. This is this is this is the Bucks year to win the title. Plus, you're bringing in Drew Holiday. You show me that you want to win a championship. You know, Milton needs to. You know, Milton stepping up. Buna Hose's legacy on the line. You know, in terms of coaching for the Bucks, they have to win this championship. They will have to win the championship. If they don't win this championship this year. It's going to be hard for them to win a championship, you know, next year and the upcoming years because the Warriors going to be back at full strength. You know, the Clippers be back at full strength with Kawhi. You know, you got Philadelphia, whoever the moves they're going to do, but they're still going to be dangerous. Brooklyn's going to be dangerous at full strength. I mean, there's a lot of teams that are going to be chasing for that championship, the Jazz too. So they have to win this championship. They really have to win the championship because if they don't, I feel like Giannis is just wasting his time um, as a buck. Yeah, so before I get to Kenneth, I just want to hit on your point. I think that's all very true because if they don't, it's it's title or bust at this point um, because if they don't, like, you're going to look at Giannis, and obviously Giannis just signed the deal, so he'll really have no leverage. I know the stars run the league, and, and I do love that part about the NBA. Is these yeah. stars dictate their futures no matter what the contract says, no matter, you know, they end up taking the leverage and they're willing to sit and, you're not going to, you know, get nothing from them. But at the same time, like, you're, you're not worried about Giannis leaving. You're worried about what you put around Giannis and how much value each person and how much better the team can be. Chris Middleton is on a big-time contract. Drew yep. Holiday is on a big-time contract extension. So the value, if any of those value depreciates and you're not getting equal or better value for Drew Holiday, the trade becomes pointless. If you're not getting equal or better trade value for Chris Middleton – the trade becomes pointless. So I think you have to win the championship now or else you probably look at losing Giannis in two years. Kenneth, what do you think? Is all the pressure on Milwaukee? Oh, oh, for sure. Because, 
I mean, as you guys have pointed out, Giannis, Middleton, and Drew are under contract for the next three to four years. Like, they've gone all in. There's not much that they can do with this roster outside of that, mostly because they take up all of their cap space. The only guy that they could potentially move is a Brooke Lopez, and given his contract isn't that bad, what can you really bring in that would make your team that much better for a guy like Brooke Lopez? So, I mean... With them locked in, the only real change that you can make at that point is Budenholzer. So, yes, Budenholzer is coaching for his job. I mean, if they do not win the championship this year, I don't even care if they make the NBA Finals. Why would you bring back Mike Budenholzer at that point? He's clearly never proven in his coaching career that he can get it done. He's a very good basketball coach, but I don't think he's a championship-level coach. I think he's a guy that instills your culture, and then you bring in the guy to get the job done. So that's going to be very interesting for Budenholzer. Then let's look at who's left in this playoffs. So if you're matching up with Atlanta, they couldn't have gotten a better matchup as far as the teams that were left. Drew Holiday is going to be locking up Trey Young the entire series. Now Trey's going to get his because he's a superstar talent, but is he going to have to work that much harder because he's got all NBA defensive talent, Drew Holiday chasing him around? Definitely. Then you've got Giannis is on John Collins. I mean, that's just an awful matchup for him. When you're looking at a guy like Capella, he's going to have Brooke Lopez covering him, who's not only a good defender, but also stretches the floor and is going to make it that much tougher for Capella to have the impact of being around the rim that he has all year. And then Middleton, I mean, Middleton and P.J. Tucker should run train on Bogdanovich and Herter. Like, they're good players, but they're not at the quality that those two are at. So, I mean, if you're looking at strictly like this series that they have now, there's no reason that Milwaukee shouldn't win this series. Now, we've been saying since the playoffs begin, oh, the Knicks will probably beat the Hawks. Oh, the Sixers will probably beat the Hawks. The Hawks keep proving us wrong. So this is by no means a lock, especially since we know Budenholzer doesn't make great adjustments in the postseason anyways. So could he get out coached by Nate McMillan? Definitely. And then when you look at the Western Conference, You've got Kawhi Leonard, who I don't think is going to play the rest of the playoffs. It sounded way too serious for him to be coming back. Even if he does, there's no way that he's at 100%, and that's a massive hurdle for them. So Paul George is really who you would have in the Clippers. The Suns is obviously the team that you would be most concerned about when you've got DeAndre Ayton playing at a high level. Devin Booker's playing incredibly well. Chris Paul's leadership. That's a good basketball team. So... But is that going to get any easier years down the road? No. Like, Brooklyn is going to run back their big three. LeBron and AD are going to get healthy, and the Lakers are going to re-up. You're going to have all these teams getting better. So Milwaukee has to win this year. Milwaukee also isn't a destination. They're not going to have guys taking minimums to come and play with Giannis unless he has a championship. So if you, it's not just about winning one. If you want to potentially win multiple titles with a multi-time MVP – then you have to get it done this year because then guys are going to look and be like, well, they're the champs. So if I'm looking to revitalize my career, take a pay cut, come in on a league minimum and potentially help a team, then you would consider Milwaukee at that point. But if you're a team that's just going to get bounced in even the finals, then they're going to be looking at Brooklyn again. They're going to look at the Lakers, all these other destinations, and they're going to take pay cuts to go there. Yeah. And, and you brought, up a good point and so for Chris once again I'm gonna bring up LeBron James but <laughs> it, it makes sense here so 
the reason why LeBron was able to get anybody to take league minimum or whatever to come to Cleveland was because him and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love won a championship. So now we can bring veterans to come along for the ride, even be contributors. Giannis has an opportunity to do the same exact thing. I'm not saying he will be as great or whatever, but he has the opportunity to literally do the same thing. Some of these veterans can come along for the ride and be contributors to him, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton for the next couple of years. But it starts this year. Because like Kenneth said, if they don't win it this year, everybody knows this is the 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 one of the biggest windows that they will have. They will look every all eyes are on Milwaukee because yep. this is a prime time for a healthy Milwaukee team to win a championship. When coming into the season after the Drew Holiday move was made, everybody was like, Oh my god, Milwaukee is gonna be even more dangerous than typically they lead us to believe coming into the playoffs, coming off of a you know, probably best team in the league regular season. But now they have Drew Holiday. Now they have a ball handler and playmaker. Now they have Chris Middleton, who really upped his game this year. Now they have Giannis, who, you know, he's a two-time MVP. You know, started playing at points and times this season, was in the MVP hunt and in the MVP race. Obviously, it didn't shake out that way, but we know, like, voters, you know, we know the voter fatigue and stuff can play a factor in even putting Giannis on the ballot. But, and like you said, all those factors. Maybe Kawhi doesn't come back. If he does, he doesn't come back 100%. Chris Paul comes back. He's got to get in the flow of things in the Western Conference Finals. First off, missing 10 days while you're rolling can can give you two steps back, and it's not a knock on Chris Paul. That's called life in basketball. When you get going, you're doing something constantly, and then you, you, you take a break. You don't come back right away rolling the same way you do. Even some of the greatest players, it takes them a game or two, and Chris Paul is having to get back rolling in the biggest stage the Western Conference Finals, next to, obviously, the NBA Finals. So I feel like the Bucks should roll through Atlanta. They should. This should be a statement series right here and yeah. say how serious we are about winning a championship. They need to beat them in five. They don't need to go seven with Atlanta because we saw what Atlanta could do. And one thing about Atlanta that I will give them, it doesn't matter what the scoreboard says at the end of the first quarter. It doesn't matter what they go into at halftime. They keep playing. They keep coming at you. They keep playing hard. And then they 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 hope that one of those guys on the other team break because they're not going to break. That's their mentality. Somebody on that opposite side of the court is going to break because we're not going to break. You're going to get all 100% the whole game until it's clear as day that we don't have a chance. And that's why they're at where they're at. Trey Young up this game, became a – you know, he's a superstar talent uh, in these playoffs. And, it, you know, it's year of the young guys. They're showing us that the NBA is in good hands obviously for the next, you know, 15 to 20 years because we look at the draft lottery is tomorrow and we get to kind of get an idea, start our mock drafts of where this loaded draft class is going to be. So the NBA is in great hands. These guys under 25 are doing great. But I want to move on to the Western Conference. And I want to talk about Kawhi Leonard. Um, (laughs) Obviously, Kawhi is still a free agent after this year. A lot of Paying attention to that situation has been very quiet. He didn't sign his extension. Obviously, we know this. But it's been a very quiet, like, possible, you know, superstar player being available. We heard rumors at first, but it really dimmed down as they're advancing. And now they're in the Western Conference Finals. Paul George stepped up. Paul George did what a sidekick needed to do against a Utah team in two games 
that had championship aspirations also. And I think Utah is going to fall in that window of they got some looking in the mirror and figuring out what their next move is. I don't think it's a coaching change. I do think it's some, you know, some player swaps, some roster adjustments, obviously. But Paul George showed he could step up big. Reggie Jackson came up big. Then we got a young guy like Terrence Mann coming up big in a game, uh, scoring 39 in, in a closeout game. So you look at some of the young talent. You look at Batum, who's played very consistent. You know what you're going to get from him as a 3 and D guy. Serge Ibaka has been hurt. Hasn't been talked about a lot, but like they're doing a lot of this without Serge Ibaka also. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, he, he has flashes. Like he comes in, you don't realize it, and then like he may leave with eight points in five minutes, and you're like, okay, he takes advantage of his playing time. Obviously, playoff Rondo has kind of been missing. Like he's not, he hasn't hit the expectations of what we expect from playoff Rondo, but they've gotten production from everywhere else, from Reggie Jackson to Marcus Morris, Terrence Mann stepping up big, and Paul George finally living up to the name Playoff P. I'm going to take Pandemic P out of the vocabulary when I talk about Paul George because when when all the chips were on the line, all eyes were on him, and are you going to prove us, are you going to show us Indiana Paul George in the playoffs, or are you going to show us what we've consistently seen from OKC, you know, in the wave bye-bye game, and then obviously the 3-1 choke last year in the bubble? Is that the Paul George we're going to get? And we got, you know, all-star Paul George, borderline superstar Paul George showed up, showed out. So, with that being said, if Kawhi doesn't return, LA Clippers get swept, no Kawhi. Have they done enough getting to the Western Conference Finals to keep Kawhi? Kenneth, I'll start with you. So, my understanding of Kawhi is that he does have a player option that he could use next year. It's about $36 million, so, I mean, it's not exactly a small deal if he does decide that he wanted to stay one more year. So, I don't know if they've done enough to keep him long-term for an extension, but they might have done enough for him to opt into that player option and stick around for another year. So, they went further than they did last year. We, we got to remember that. They had their 3-1 meltdown last year, and Paul George playing well in the playoffs this year I think has really helped their chances because he didn't look great in that Dallas series for the first number of games. And then he kind of came into his own and I think figured it out. It, I think a lot of it was mental for him. He talked a lot about how in the bubble last year, he had some mental health issues just being away from family and whatnot. And I think he was able to get over that and also get over some of that playoff anxiety, which has really helped him. But I think the fact that they improved the roster, obviously they've made it to the Western Finals without Ibaka because he's been hurt, and they're going to do so without Kawhi in this series as well. And I think if you have a healthy Kawhi, we're talking about this series way differently as far as who's the favorite in this series. So I think that he'll opt into his player option if he is planning on staying, but I don't see him re-upping with the Clippers. I don't see him locking in for five more years right now. Now, what he could do is he could play next year. Potentially they go to the NBA finals or win the championship next year. Then you re up and you get the max money that you're due. But I think, I think he's still got to wait it out because Kawhi didn't, he, he went to LA because of his family. It was very well documented that that's where he's from. That's why he wanted to go there. So I think it would take something pretty major for him to leave once again. I feel like when he went there, he felt like this was going to be where he was going to plant his flag. But 
if there's nothing to plant, if there's nothing there long term, then I, I can't see any reason why he would want to. If we're talking about potential destinations, I've been saying Kawhi to Miami all year long. Two weeks ago, I thought it was almost a guarantee, especially the way that they looked against Dallas. I thought that they were done in that series. They looked like they were done early on against the Jazz, but they continue to prove me wrong in that sense. So I think if we're talking, like Kawhi's not leaving to go to some rebuilding team or like the eighth seed in the conference. He's going to go to a team that has two all-star players, if not all NBA players there, and he's going to ensure that he's making himself a big three. So that would be my thoughts as far as Kawhi. I think that he's done enough to at least opt in for another year, but I don't know if they have to get him long-term. Yeah, I mean, you know, as everybody knows, I'm not the biggest Kawhi Leonard fan, so Kawhi to Miami, I mean, how could you not love it? I mean, I guess at that point, Miami's a a championship contending team. I can't argue that, but God, I just don't want to root for Kawhi. I mean, come on, man. Just just imagine having to hear this in the press conference. (laughs) (laughs) Just imagine, like, the number one selling shoes in the city of Miami are those ugly, Mm god-awful Jolly Rancher New Balances. Like, like, Jesus, you know, and then just corny commercials coming. Like, I just, I don't want to see it. But if he can lead my team to the championship, then all is forgiven, and I could never be upset. JP, what are your thoughts? Have the Clippers done enough to keep Kawhi? Um, I agree with Kenneth um, in terms of, like, they have done enough to keep him, you know, for, like, another year, I think. Um, just really depends on the situation. Like, if they win the championship this year or next year, then, you know, you, uh, definitely I could see them staying in L.A., you know, with family. But it really just depends, like, how the team is going to be, like, structured out. Um, are you going to keep the players? Or are you going to swap players? Because, um, you know, Kawhi is always one step ahead of everybody. He's always one step ahead of, of everybody. Like, we, have, we didn't see him going to Toronto. We didn't see him go to the Clippers, it came out of nowhere. Because, you know, we're talking about, oh, he might he might be a Laker or he might be, you know, Miami. Uh, we keep talking, but he's always one step ahead of everybody. And, you know, he, like Kenneth said, he might go to a team that's going to be, you know, two other superstars that they can make into title contenders. I would love to see him in Boston so that my Boston Celtics could win the championship one day in the future. I'm just saying, but, you know. It, it just really just it just really just depends um, on the situation, but I think they have done enough. You know, like I said, Paul George stepped up. Luke Kanal, you forgot about him. He stepped up hitting big shots with threes. Reggie Jackson stepped up. Marcus Moore stepped up. Terrence Mann stepped up. So everybody's really playing to the woes. But I was, but also I would have to give Ty Luke credit for getting that team ready and game planning and everything. And we always kept talking about Ty Lue's not a great coach because LeBron was like the head coach of the Cavaliers in 2016. He actually knows how to coach. He actually knows how to coach and make these adjustments and making these game plans and stuff and stepping up big time as well as taking the Clippers to the Western Conference Finals in the first 50 years that they were made. So definitely it's they have done enough and they can keep them from a year, but it just depends on how far they go. Yeah, I mean, 100%. And so you hit on a key thing because I'm victim of it. You know, I, I came out and I said Ty Lue wow. isn't great of a coach. He rode on the coattails of LeBron. And then, you know, he comes in and he looks like he's going to choke it away against Dallas. And then they look <laughs> like 
choking away against Utah. So I'm just like, I told y'all about Ty Louis skated by Dallas. And then look, they're down 2-0. They not, Utah is in Dallas. They really a championship team. Dallas is like a, a one-man great band with, you know, a, a, an occasional guy who steps up. So I'm going to give Ty Lu a round of applause. That's a long round of applause, by the way. But I'm going to give him, because I, I've said it, I'm the, I'm probably one that everybody's gotten into an argument who felt like he was a great coach, and I'm like, God, no. You know, look who he's had. I would look good as a coach if I had that personnel. But now, mm -hmm. this is where you test where where how great of a coaching job it is, is when backs against the wall, adjustments have to be made, your star player goes down. And even if the Clippers lost this series once Kawhi went down, I can't blame Ty Lu. That's tough. Like it was a win-win for him when you talk about if I lose, it doesn't matter. I lost my best player. But if I win, I get to show how great of a coach I am, how I make the adjustments, how I can lead my team. Obviously, the players play, but you you notice the adjustments that aren't made in the playoffs when the players aren't always the players should always be in the best position to win. And when they're not, when things look funny, when the offense gets ran back consistently, we saw it with Milwaukee. In the net series, especially the first two games, we're like, what are they doing? Why are they taking leads and then jacking up threes? Like, why are they not continuing? You see that that's that coaching adjustment. Okay, we're up 15. How do I how do I adjust? We saw them lose that way minus Kyrie Irving in a, in a hobble James Harden. They lost that same way. They were up 15 in the game that KD goes crazy. And it was because of coaching adjustments. You were up 15, should have been up 25 in the first place, and then went away from the, you know, the the criteria went away from the formula that got you up 15 points. It could have, you know, build on the lead. So I will give Ty Lue his props, but fellas, I want to get to the last, you know, topic and we've kind of touched on it, but it's kind of the conference finals. I want to kind of preview and give our predictions. So let's talk about game one. Obviously that's already been played between the Clippers and Suns. That was a hard fought battle. Um, and we got to see two teams that, they needed to be put to the test. No Chris Paul for Phoenix, no Kawhi Leonard for the Clippers. So obviously that the questions were, how great is Devin Booker going to be? How great is Paul George going to be? Who's going to prevail in this matchup? Who's going to fold? Is Devin Booker only as great as he is this year? We know he's been certified, but has he only been this successful in the playoffs because he's playing alongside Chris Paul or can he get the job done? Can DeAndre Ayton, who upped this game, and I said would benefit the most by playing with Chris Paul because of what we know Chris Paul can do with the pick and roll and his success with big men. He's had he's gotten DeAndre Jordan paid when you look at it. Tyson Chandler was an all-star alongside Chris Paul. Obviously, Blake Griffin and, you know, Lob City over there with the Clippers and what they did. Chris Paul in that pick and roll with big men, I felt like getting a young guy, DeAndre Ayton, who's getting a lot of, slander uh he might be a bust he may, he may never hit his full potential and boom like deandre ayton looks like the center of the future that we expected him to be and he has something to build on and then like i said you you've seen a huge game from terrence Mann in game seven or game six are we gonna see this again is paul george gonna give us that 30 points that we think he needs to give us a night with no Kawhi? and who steps up for the clippers and it was a hard-fought battle but obviously devin booker had the 40 point Triple-double. He prevailed. Now, I want to slow down on giving him too many flowers. 
He is not Kobe Bryant. All right. I'm tired of hearing that. It's not fair to Devin Booker that you are comparing him to Kobe Bryant because in my eyes, just for that instance, you're leaving room to either slander Devin Booker later on in his career or slander the late, great Kobe Bean Bryant later on and take away from the legend that he was with this comparison. But Devin Booker played great. Did he have the Mamba mentality? 100%. Was he inspired by Kobe? He's came out and said it. That was a mentor to him. But to that comparison to me just isn't fair to either. Obviously, Kobe's, you know, he's passed and, and can't defend himself as a great like Jordan can. But then to Devin Booker, those are like, when we talk about legends like that and we compare them, those are like unrealistic standards to live up to. Like five championships, MVP, one of the greatest players that, you know, top 10, top five, top three, greatest players to ever do it. That's what I got to hold is I got to be in that shadow because of this comparison the media is given. But Kenneth, I'll start with you. What did you think about game one? What were your takeaways? And then give me your prediction moving forward um, for who wins the Western Conference Finals. I mean, game one was just a special performance by Devin Booker, and I'm in agreement with you. I'm tired of seeing the Devin Booker, Kobe Bryant stuff all over social media today. I mean, let's stop comparing guys that are in like year four and five to a guy that competed for 20 years in the league, multiple, you know, titles, MVPs, finals MVPs, I should say, an MVP. Like, let's stop it when it comes to that sort of stuff. But the Clippers need to adjust now. They, they need to figure out a way to slow down Booker. Like I talked about with Milwaukee earlier, I mean, Drew Holiday is going to make it tougher for Trey Young. They need to do the same for Devin Booker because Booker's going to get his. He's going to get 30. But if you make him work to get that 30, then you're going to benefit long term, especially in a series like this. So I think the Clippers are going to make the adjustments. I think they are going to make a series of this, despite there being no Kawhi Leonard in this series. I think they, they have enough depth and veteran experience to at least steal a couple games off of this Suns team. The Suns have looked near invincible since late in that Lakers series, but I think they are going to, they're going to have to make some adjustments as well. I don't think this is a lock that Phoenix is going to be going to the NBA finals. So if I had to give my prediction of how the series is going to go, the Suns are going to go to the NBA Finals. It's going to be in six games. I just think the Clippers are going to find a way to win a couple games. They might win game two, game four, and then ultimately the Suns are going to come out. And I think depending when Chris Paul comes back is also going to determine how long this series is going to go. If we don't see him until like game four, then the series could go seven, but I would still give the edge to the Suns just because I think Chris Paul and Devin Booker would be more than what Paul George and who that second guy is going to be. I know we talked about Terrence Mann, but could he do it again in a game seven or potentially a game six? That's what I'm unsure of. So I would go Suns and six. Yeah. So I just want to make note that me or Kenneth have been very wrong in these playoffs prediction. <laughs> when we think about it, um, that we we got the Bucks in seven right, like we got the Bucks game seven prediction right. I went with Milwaukee, but a lot of these playoff prediction series they've gone a lot different than we thought. Especially if you would have asked me after one game is played, I, I feel like I could determine, and I've done pretty bad. So JP, what do you think about game one? And then based off game one, or just based off what your thoughts would have been coming into this series, who wins this series? Um. Yeah, before I get into that, you know, the, the whole Devin Booker, Kobe Bryant comparison, you know, 
I would say he's Kobe Bryant S. I'm not going to compel Kobe, but you got to think about it. Kobe came into the league and then he had, oh, he's going to be the next Jordan. He's compelled to Jordan early in his career and all that. And he's getting, you know, getting all the slant. I was like, oh, he's going to be Jordan. He's going to be Jordan. He's going to be Jordan and stuff. So Kobe went through the same thing. Devin Book is going to go through the same thing too as well in terms of being the next Kobe Bryant or, you know, the mama mentality. But yeah, game one was really good. Um, You know, credit to the Clippers. Because, you know, they had to play, they had like, you know, short rest and the Suns, you thought the Suns would probably be a little bit rusty because they swept the <clears throat> swept the other team out in four games, uh, Denver, and um, you thought they'd be a little bit rusty, but Devin Booker really showed out without Chris Paul, too, in the leadership. You saw Devin Booker, he's not going to score the basketball, he's going to assist really well. He gave good passes to... Um, Mikael Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, Jay Crowder, they kept trapping Booker, and then they just kept hitting them open shots. Um, DeAndre Ayton played really well, you know, in these playoffs, you know, like you was talking about, you thought he'd be a bust and everything, but Chris Paul kind of gave him that confidence to get him to play where he's at. So that coaching staff and Chris Paul, I got to give him two credit as well because he's game planning. Even when he's not playing, he's game planning. He's always in doing something with the Suns. So giving them credit, you know, for, you know, getting out there and playing, being aggressive. And it also comes down to home court advantage because, you know, the Suns got home court advantage. So I'm going to say the Suns is going to win it in six games. You know, the Clippers can have a chance, but without Kawhi Leonard, you know, it's going to be really tough for them. You know, you got Paul George. You need, like, your role players to step up. You know, Reggie Jackson's been playing really well, but sometimes he could be inconsistent. Or he jacks up too many threes and make bad decisions. To Marcus Morris, who jack up threes instead of just taking it to the hole. To Terrence Mann, could he have that same game like he did in game seven? Um, you know, Wando, you know, facilitating the ball and all that. Um, you know, you got, a, you got a good veteran team right there with the Clippers, the Marcus Cousins, too, as well. Um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be really difficult for the Clippers. It's gonna be a lot of pressure on the Clippers to win, but I doubt they're gonna win against the Suns because they're not fully healthy. And the thing that's different about it is that Paul George ain't gonna guard uh, Devin Booker. Like if it was Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard would decide for himself that he'll guard Devin Booker and shut him down. Paul George is not gonna do that. Paul George is gonna score that basketball. He can play defense. He's a good defender, but he's not gonna have that mindset and be like, "Hey, I'm going to guard the best player like Kawhi does." You know, when he did it um, against uh, the Bucks, it's like, "I'm going to guard Giannis because we're down 0 and 2." So I'm going to guard Giannis, and he did. So I would say the Suns is gonna win it in six. Um, Suns are going to make it to the NBA Finals. Yeah, so we're all in agreement here. I'm a, I'm gonna go Suns in six. Um. I would have had Kawhi played like Kenneth said, and what I do want to touch on, because he said it earlier, had Kawhi never got hurt, the Clippers would be all pressure on them the same way the Bucks would be. Yeah. All the pressure got taken off of the Clippers the minute Kawhi went down, and, and I'm afraid, he like Kenneth, I'm afraid he's out for the season because it's been very quiet. Like, Ace, right away we knew Kyrie Irving sprained his ankle. You know, right away, we knew James Harden had a hamstring injury. You know, uh, right away, we knew Anthony Davis was hurt. And then when he tried to come back, like, instantly, he looked like he never belonged out there. So, mm -hmm. kind of, this has been the quietest injury of the playoffs. Even with Donovan Mitchell, we knew he had, you know, hurt his ankle. And he came out and played. With Kawhi, there's, it's still speculation. I mean, I haven't heard anything official 
on what's wrong with his knee. I, I seen a right knee sprain, but it even seems like that was just something to give the league to put, you know, uh, a type of injury on it. Like I say, even with Joel Embiid, a partially torn meniscus, we knew right away where it took a few days just for them to say a, a right knee sprain. And I think it's more serious than that. And it's because I think Kawhi plays through injuries. Um, I think he consistently plays through injuries. So for him to not be out there in the biggest moment for the Clippers, I do think is that bad because if Kawhi was able to even give you 80% of him, he'd be out there. He, he's yeah. not a guy. He doesn't talk much. He doesn't say much, but he plays. He, he, he shows up. I know he does the, you know, he's the load management king uh, of the league right now, him and, and Paul George and things, but they, they constantly get banged up. They're always injured when you really look at it. So they kind of need it. But Kawhi plays when he needs to play. In the playoffs, Kawhi will not miss a game unless the injury is that serious. And he's missed three and possibly four. We'll probably be waiting until tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow during the day to hear uh, Kawhi's status for game two. But I, I just think the Suns in six. And the scariest thing about the Suns is they've played the most consistent basketball in the playoffs. Every player... Because you look at Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton have been consistently as a big three. Whether you want to consider them a big three or not, that's Phoenix's big three in my eyes. And they've all played consistently. They've given you the production that you've expected. And then somebody else has always stepped up. Whether it was Cameron Payne, Mikel Bridges, Jay Crowder, uh, Cameron, what, Cam Johnson, Cameron Johnson. He's, hit, he's hit some threes and stepped up. So they've had their big three show up every game consistently. Maybe you can pick apart a thing here or there, but they showed up consistently, gave you what they're going to give you, and then somebody or one to two players every game has stepped up outside of them three. To me, I'm always a believer. It's never about the stars. We know what they're going to do. It's about the next man up. It's about your depth. Who shows up? Is it Mikel Bridges? Is it Jay Crowder? Is it campaign? But we haven't had to question that because one of them has always stepped up big in at least one game. Even if everybody else went missing, Mikel Bridges showed up alongside that big three. Mikel Bridges had a bad game. Well, Jay Crowder knocking down six, seven threes alongside that big three. Campaign comes in, gives you 19 points against the Lakers. You know, gives you what? 11 points and nine assists in game one. He steps up as a ball handler. And we're talking about campaign, a guy who you know, questionably could have been out of the league. People were running him out of the league. You know, they, they kicked him to the Shanghai Sharks like we're doing now. I guess that's the new thing to do now is when guys don't produce, they're going to be on the Shanghai Sharks in next year's 2K. They have an all-Shanghai team at this point. Of these, get rid of these guys and let them go to China. So, you know, I think that's the new trend in the NBA, at least for this offseason and coming into next year. But they've always had – that's key is who's going to step up, and it, you've never had to question that somebody will. The question was just who, but they were going to give you that production, and the big three has stayed consistent. Where with the Clippers, they have one guy that we expect to truly be consistent, and we're wondering who's the next two to three guys to step up. We're yeah. looking at Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, and even – that's who we're looking at. And then those are the three that we should expect consistent production from. But then we're like, can Luke Kennard get hot from the three? Can Terrence, man, I don't expect them to give us 39 to be step up. But can he give me 12 to 15 effective points and some defense, some hustle yep. play? Can Boogie play 10 minutes and give me six points? 
Um, you know, they have a lot of can Nicholas Batum knock down three to four threes tonight and play some defense. So I think we look at the Clippers and their big three that we we expect consistent play from is Paul George, Reggie Jackson, and Marcus Morris. And if they don't get consistent play from them to match what we've seen from Phoenix, they're gonna lose in six. I think they're gonna take a couple games. Um, just off the strength of the Clippers have veteran leadership. Paul George is rolling, so I, you know, he even played good in game one. It, the loss wasn't on his shoulders. He, he made how we expected. You can't expect Paul George to drop 50 every night. Why it's not fair. Like, that's just an unrealistic, you know, expectation. So I want to move on to Easter Con before we close out. I have Milwaukee. We've touched on it a little bit. But, JP, I'm going to start with you. Give me, give me, they haven't played a game yet. They don't play till Wednesday. So give me what you expect to see in this series and give me your prediction on the series. I like to see Milwaukee win the series because I feel like this is probably the easiest matchup they had in the playoffs um, because, you know, Giannis going against John Collins or Clint Capella, that's going to be easy for him because he can be aggressive and can get, you know, 25, 30 points. You know, you got Drew Holiday that can go ahead and play uh, defense against Trey Young. Um, so I expect the Bucks to win the series because of, you know, they have that experience and, you know, they're, they're a better team than Atlanta. But the, but the, at the same time, Atlanta's not going to give up. Like we talked about earlier, they're going to keep fighting. They're going to keep playing. Even if they're down like 15, 20 points, they're going to come back and get you. Um, the thing about The thing about Milwaukee is – the thing I don't like about them is whenever they move the ball around and everything, they're a great team. When they don't move the ball around, everybody stands still and just see what Giannis is going to do. Is he going to dribble and just penetrate and get into the hole? That's not the that's not the best Milwaukee. Like, because everybody's just standing around. It's like, okay, well, here, I'm going to give it to PJ Tucker or I'm going to give it to this person. It's like you have to move the ball around um, to just make it effective for Milwaukee just to score a bucket and everything. Um, but you know, Atlanta's a good. I mean, Atlanta's a good team. We never thought Atlanta would make it that far. You know, the way Trey Young's been playing as a um, as a, with superstar talent. They also have to give you know Gallinari credit, Lou Williams credit, Kevin Hodo stepped up in Game Seven out of nowhere when Trey Young was awful shooting the basketball, but still got you like 25, 30 points. But Kevin Hodo really stepped up to the plate. So all the role players brought into Nate Mamillion's system. And Nate Miller got them playing really well. So I expect Milwaukee to win this series. But at the same time, you know, Atlanta's not going to give up fighting. But Milwaukee should win the series and go to the finals. So that would be my prediction. I expect Giannis to have a big, big series against him and also Milton too. Yeah, 100%. And something to consider is Atlanta's doing all this without DeAndre Hunter or yeah. Cam Red being available. Yeah. So that's also something to look at because that just adds to their depth in Atlanta. Like, yes, they're missing depth, but they're still like, they're, they're a loaded team when you really look at it. So Kenneth, what, what are your expectations in this series? And what is your prediction? So I've been off on the Hawks the entire postseason. Um, as we pointed out earlier, my predictions have not been the hottest as far as postseasons go, but especially with Atlanta. Um, I picked Philly to win four games last series betting wise they lost all four so i mean i i if anything i'm a reverse good luck charm for the atlanta hawks so if you guys are looking to advance you know hit me up and then i'll try and help you out in that regard but 
I just think th this is a terrible matchup for Atlanta. Like we talked about it earlier. At every position, I would almost give the edge to Milwaukee outside a point guard, and it's only because I think Trey would score more than Drew Holiday would. So, but that being said, I don't have faith that the Bucks are going to close this out in like five games. Like I just don't see it happening. What we saw them do against Brooklyn on a number of occasions was they got up big. They got up like 20-plus points, and Brooklyn stormed back. And that was Atlanta's MO against Philadelphia. They would they were down like 20-something points heading into the fourth, and then suddenly they come back and win the game. So I'm going to pick the Bucks to win the series, but I think the Hawks can push them to seven. I truly do. I have faith in Nate McMillan to make adjustments more than Mike Budenholzer does. And Milwaukee, outside of their starting five, I know like Connaughton's had his moments in the postseason, but I'm looking at Atlanta when you've got Gallinari and Lou Williams coming off the bench. I think those guys, any given game, could give you 20 points off the bench. And I think that could be a huge difference maker in this series because – Outside of Trey, they haven't got consistent scoring from anyone really in this postseason. But could they get enough effort from three or four guys each night, giving them 15? I think they definitely could. So I'm going to pick the Bucks to win in seven, strictly because I, I just haven't seen Milwaukee dominate like I thought that they would. Like we saw Harden go down, and they were still down 2-0. And even Harden coming back, he wasn't at 100%. There was zero reason for that series to even go to seven games. Like, Milwaukee should have dominated Brooklyn. So, I see an Atlanta team that's deeper than what Brooklyn was, given Brooklyn's injuries. So, I'm going to take the Bucks in seven because I think the Hawks can really push them. Well, I've been wrong a lot in this post, mm -hmm. and it's tough. People are looking at me like, bro, you know what you're talking about. Why are you so wrong? And I think, you know, I haven't won a bet in this postseason yet. Uh, it's just been all bad when it comes to my predictions. And it's just because I hold certain players to high to, to higher standards than some. And some so they haven't met them in certain situations. And so I'm going to go all in on Giannis Antetokounmpo. This being his breakout series. Yep solidifies him he's gonna shut me up and solidify himself as a superstar because as we all know i do not think he is a superstar i do not think he could be the best player on a championship team except this year under the circumstances if he doesn't he proves everything i said a hundred percent correct i want him to prove me wrong because i'm about to go all in on him and y'all seen the last time I went all in on Giannis for one game, how upset I was. So I'm going to go all in for him on one series. <laughs> and there may be an explosive halftime chat if it goes any other way. I'm going the Bucks in five. I'm going the Bucks in five. Atlanta has had a great run. They've, they've done some great things. Trey Young is a superstar talent. He's a super. He's up next. Um, right along with, you know, the likes of Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum. We go down the line, the list of our up-next superstars, and it's an amazing list. Even some of those guys who weren't in the playoffs that yeah. have, you know, up-next potential, you know, your De'Aaron Fox. He doesn't get any love, get talked about. I want him out of Sacramento because I want him to be seen because when I was living on the West Coast, I saw De'Aaron Fox. I got to watch some Sacramento games. He's, he's legit. I think Philly, look at him. I think, you know, 
I don't think Ben Simmons want to be in Sacramento, but I said stick Ben Simmons up there in Sacramento. We can't nobody watch him, and we'll be all good. We don't care whether he prosper at that point. And I think De'Aaron Fox in Philly would be a game changer. And I think had Philly had De'Aaron Fox this year, I think Philly is probably the favorite to win the championship at this point. So I'm going to go the Bucks in five. I just – I expect, like, they have to dominate, right? Like, that's always been they my – They have to. They should. They yeah. have to. And Giannis has – you're a two-time MVP. Show it right now. You've been mm-hmm. known your, – your MO is you kind of fold. You, get, you disappear. You don't get the job done. Show it now. This is your second appearance in the Easter Conference Finals. Whoa, excuse me. You had an absolute meltdown the last time being up 2-0 and losing four straight backdoor swept by Toronto. So prove everybody. Prove me who doesn't think you're a superstar. Prove me wrong and dominate this series. Chris Middleton, play the way you've been playing. Drew Holiday, continue to play the way you play. And Giannis, go dominate. And if that happens, the Bucks win in five. If this goes any other way, if the Hawks win this series, I'm totally done with the Bucks. I'm totally done with Budenholzer. He got to go. I'm done with Giannis. Giannis will never be a superstar in my eyes. I don't care what he does from here on out. That will be, I will stick to it. But I'm hoping I get proven wrong because I think Milwaukee should dominate. And I think these series, these type of series, is where superstars are truly made. This is where the Kobe Bryants and, and LeBron James and Michael Jordan, this is the start before they get to the finals. They dominate in their conference. They dominate these conference finals. They have breakout series where, like, if he balls and he shows he's a superstar, you remember that series because they went on to win a championship 20 years from now. And so all these other guys that Giannis is, is I'm not going to say compared to, but he's, he's, he has that greatness level, that, that greatness potential to be one of the 20 greatest players we've ever seen. But you got to solidify that with championships. And so I expect them to dominate, and I expect the Bucks to win in five, and I'm going to hang my hat on Bucks in five. So Milwaukee. I, I think they should. I just don't know because of the points that you made about Giannis as well. I just don't know if Milwaukee has that killer in- instinct to put a team away mm-hmm. in five. So, yeah. like, like, as I said, everything points to – Milwaukee across the board is the better basketball team. But when you have a coach that makes no adjustments and you have your best player also can't make free throws down the stretch of big games, it concerns me. So that's why I said seven. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's one, the reason, though. But I, I, I just, I'm going to hang my hat that Milwaukee should do exactly what we think they should do to dominate this series. So, fellas, that closes out tonight's episode of Up in Flames. So, like I always do before we go, I give my guests the floor to plug in their social media, any projects they got coming up. Kenneth, I'm going to start with you, bro. The floor is yours. Definitely. You can follow me on all social platforms at Shooters underscore pod. We do live shows every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. We're pushing it to 9 tomorrow night, given the NBA draft lottery is going to be happening right before so we'll be going live as soon as that is done to break it all down for you guys. Um, definitely follow me on Twitter. I'll be sure to remind you that the Atlanta Hawks beat the New York Knicks in five games. I never am letting up on that. So I uh, definitely appreciate you having me on, Mo. Yeah, 100%. So I'm glad tonight I was able to make you a friend of the show. You know, obviously, Kenneth, we can always talk hoops, whatever. You can put me on game on hockey. 
we can figure out a way to always collaborate. So whenever you want to get back on, or we'll work on getting on with you again. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, the floor is always open. You have an idea, you want to do it on Up in Flames, just hit, just let me know. JP, the floor is yours, bro. Man, thank you for having me on, Mo. Kenneth, it was great talking to you. You can uh, follow me on uh, Facebook, uh, Justin Payton, Twitter, JP Franchise 57, Instagram, JPayton57. I like to talk hoops. I talk hoops all the time. Uh, follow me on YouTube, uh, you know, Off the Ball Network. I'll be doing NBA recaps and everything. I'm going to do one tonight. And also, I got another YouTube channel that I've been doing before going on Off the Ball Network. It's just JP with a Z. I haven't posted anything in a month, but if I do want to get a comeback in, I might do that too as well. I might end up stop talking about, like, greatest players of all time, you know, on halftime or YouTube, just depending. But, yeah, definitely follow me on them social platforms. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, 100%. And so as we close out the show, make sure you go to offtheballnetwork.com for all your sports needs and entertainment. We got my guy Kenneth coming with weekly betting articles uh, or, or weekly bets that you should pay attention to. Uh, Kenneth, I'm going to let you, before we close out, just tell them your record. Tell, tell them how, how legit you are with the betting. Just tell them how much you've been up the past couple weeks. Uh, I have hit on two uh, four-team parlays over the last number of days. The biggest one for me has been Euro 2020. I put out some Euro articles on Off the Ball Network. You should go and check those out as well. Did three betting articles, breaking down a lot of future bets on there. A lot of them have come true so far as well. So if you're looking, there's still some time left to get some bets in for these group stage games. And then the U.S. Open last week. Hit on uh, four of the eight golfers as far as their finish goes. Also won the shooters. U.S. Open pool. Mo did not come in last in that, so shout out to him for coming <laughs> in second last. Uh, but, yeah, definitely go and check out the work on the offtheballnetwork.com. There's a ton of great stuff there. Yeah, 100%, and he just reminded me. After the show, I got to fit. I got to I got to get my man his money. I didn't come in last. So I take a little bit of pride in that. I know nothing about golfing. I heard betting. I heard putting a little bit of money in to win a lot of bit of money. So I was like, hey, I know nothing. I'm picking guys off of the names I like. I went with Phil Mickelson. And that was probably the most terrible pick I had because Kenneth gave me 100 percent crap about Phil Mickelson. And then I just, <laughs> you know, I kind of went with guys that are getting a lot of buzz and just uh, I like their name because I didn't know who half the guys were. <laughs> but all, I am your host, Mo Murphy of the Up in Flames podcast. Like I said, go to offtheballnetwork.com for all your sports needs and entertainment. We got articles. We got, you know, betting tips. We have, man, everything from football to basketball, soccer, uh, golf, hockey. We, we got it all. We have, you know, we miss Jerk's power rankings now that we're in the playoffs. But I can't wait for an NHL, you know, year-round recap from him. So we just got a lot of things going on at Off the Ball Network. So go show your support. Go check us out. If you like what Kenneth had to say today, go check out his articles. If you like what JP had to say, go to the YouTube channel and listen to his recaps. It's always great, always energy, and always entertaining. And on that note, Up in Flames is out.